Welcome to Lifestyle Solopreneur, the community for entrepreneurs who put lifestyle first. Join your host, Flavia Barris, as she interviews successful lifestyle solopreneurs and shares ideas to help you find the perfect balance between lifestyle, business, and self. Flavia is an attorney, marketing expert, and founder of several online academies. She's been featured in major media, including BBC World News, The Wall Street Journal, the New York Post, ESPN Television, and more. Join us for this episode of Lifestyle Solopreneur. Hey, Lifestyle Solopreneurs. Today, we get to speak with Lindsay Pinchuk. She founded a seven-figure company starting with only $500, reached that seven-figure level, maintained it for well over half a decade, and reached 3 million users per month before she sold that company exiting last year. And now she helps others do the same. I'm so excited to welcome Lindsay to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's so good to be here. I'm very excited about this conversation. Me too, especially because I love that your journey has gone. It's like you rode that like, I don't know, fun, exciting roller coaster of being an entrepreneur, starting a business, bootstrapping it from $500, building it all the way up to seven figures and tell us what you're doing now, because I love that it's going to be kind of a rinse and repeat for you. Yes. So now I am taking everything that I learned in terms of building a community and growing a community and turning a community into revenue. And I'm doing it again by helping entrepreneurs and female founders and solopreneurs. Really, truly, I'm working with everyone from solopreneurs to bigger brands that are female founded to help them do the same. I want to help them see the value in their community and having an engaged community and monetizing from that community and turning it into their own seven-figure-plus business that either they run or they sell. Whatever it is that you know success means to them is really what I want to help other founders achieve from my own lessons. What inspired you to do this? Like, What inspired you to want to be this mentor and to help others accomplish what you've accomplished? It's funny because I've always been a connector, right? Like even before I started my first company, I, I was always kind of the person that people would email me and say, you know, do you know someone who does whatever? And when I started my first company, my first company was a parenting community. It was, I was pregnant and I wanted support and community for myself. And so that's what I did. I, I mean, I created a community where I could, you know, meet other expectant parents who became my friends, who became my support system. And I taught other people how to be parents. You know, I mean, that was really what I did, not just through my own knowledge, but, you know, we brought in experts, we brought in brands. And this became a big national phenomenon that, that I grew over the course of a decade before I sold it. And through that time, as you can imagine, and especially after I sold it, I was being approached often by other people who, uh, women mainly, but men too, who wanted to start their own businesses or who had started a business and reached you know, a roadblock or um, just people who were stuck and they were looking to me for help and, and they would come to me and say, how did you do it? How did you get over it? How and There were so many questions that I received on a, on a regular basis. And once I sold my company and I started working for the company who bought me, I was receiving calls like this a lot. And people wanted me to work on projects for them. They wanted to hire me. And I was in a place for this working for this new company who essentially bought me where I wasn't so happy. 
I had gone from running my own business to growing a team, to selling it, to now working for corporate America again. And I didn't have control and I had zero quality of life. And my kids felt it. My husband felt it. I felt it. And as I was getting these people who were asking me these inquiries to help them, those inquiries were like lighting me up inside. And they, you know, they were, I was like, I want to do this. I want to take on these projects, but I can't because I'm working 80 to 100 hours a week being the face of this brand that I founded and sold. And it did take some time. I'll be honest. It took some time to get to a place where I was okay cutting the cord and, and leaving the brand that I sold, which essentially I, I call my first baby. But I, I knew I had to do it. And it, I knew that every single thing that I had done in building this brand really led me to this place of helping others to do the same. And and essentially that's what it was that fueled the fire for me to leave and for me to start this next chapter. And what is your typical sort of coaching client like right now? Like if I, or maybe it's so all over the board that there's no, no typical person, but does it tend to be entrepreneur moms or just working moms? Like, is it not even the moms? Any, what, what, yeah. Who's your target? You know, I really have stepped out of kind of the mom, the quote, like mom category truthfully. And you know, this is probably more information than you're looking for. I'm not, I'm not really allowed to be working on mom focused business right now because I have a non-compete. So I, I have two kind of different clients at the moment, two types of clients, I would say. One is a female who wants to start a business or who has started a business and really needs help in terms of growing her awareness. She's time-stretched. You know, as an entrepreneur, you're wearing so many different hats. And oftentimes, you have to focus on growing your business. And so the thought of dealing with social media marketing content is really, really tough. So I have a lot of female founders who come to me and they want me to help coach them through the process of putting a process in place that allows them to market and grow their business the same way that I did, which was a very efficient, well-oiled machine. And I walk them through that process. I have had clients that I have coached from inception to now they have their own clients. I mean, it's been you know a three-month process where I launched their whole brand with them. But that that's my typical coaching client. And I would say from like an age perspective, it tends to be more definitely like moms and up, you know, I would say like 35 plus. And oftentimes it's a lot of, it's a lot of women who are really overwhelmed with content and social media. That's my typical like coaching client. But then I also have branded clients that I, that are more, that's more consulting work. And oftentimes these brands are brands who have been around for a long time. I mean, I've had over half a dozen brands in the last you know six months who have come to me also female founded have been around for a really long time and never really grabbed on to the proper use of community, social media, and content. And despite the fact that they might be eight, nine figure companies, which some of them are, they just, their content strategy and their social media strategy is falling flat. And so they bring me in and I do a whole revamp where I, you know, revamp their whole content process, starting with their community and how do we engage with their community and turn more of their followers into customers. And we do that through content, through social media, through email, through partnerships. And so those are kind of the two different tracks that I'm working on at the moment. And truth be told, you know, I just started doing this in 
August, really full time. And I'm still trying to figure out for myself which track I like best, which one I'm better at. I think I'm equally, truthfully, I've seen amazing results on both ends, Um, but really which, which, which it is that I want to do more of. And from this, I am really developing a course and a workshop that I have started to sell. And hopefully my goal is to make that passive income. Because I really, my goal is to be able to help as many female founders as possible. And I recognize the fact that not everyone can afford me one-on-one. Amazing. And what industries are represented the most? So if you look at all of your clients, all all of your mentees, do you see some industries pop up more than others? Or is it just... I have to be honest. It's like all over the board. I mean, I have a ton of CPG brands on my consulting side, like CPG, apparel, that is really the sweet spot on my consulting side. On my coaching side, I would say it's definitely, you know, solopreneurs. I've had a health and wellness coach. I've had a career coach. I've had some authors who are in the parenting space, but not the baby space, more like um, behavioral. I've had health and wellness focused coaches as well. So I would say it's, it really runs the gamut, to be honest. It's really across the board. But, and when I look at the people who are taking my classes as well, I mean, it's everyone from people who are starting physical products that they're selling to people who are selling services to people who have retail locations. It really is varied then. Just yes. brick and mortar, everything. For you, what were some of the reasons that made you decide to prioritize work-life balance? And because uh, it sounded like you were working a lot of hours per week, sort of back in that corporate grind, yes. which is kind of an interesting arc, right? Because you created that company. It was just you and then, you know, a team and it kind of grew from there and then you sold it. And then all of a sudden that company became sort of very corporate and you were still involved in it. So your own personal journey really went the whole entire range of what it means to be an entrepreneur. But you decided like, okay, this is not for me and that it was just too many hours work. What is the catalyst for making a shift like that? Because I think a lot of people are trapped sort of similarly, not necessarily because they were, they're working at the company they founded and sold. Um, that, that's a very kind of unique and, and more rare circumstance. But a lot of people are in the corporate grind as employees working for someone else and have been their whole careers, but they dream of doing something else. What can you say to inspire them to serve as that catalyst to show them that there is a path somewhere better? Yeah, of course. So when I started my first company, I started it so that I could have flexibility with my daughter, who I was pregnant with at the time. And of course, as many entrepreneurs I do, I ended up working way more than maybe I did at my corporate job. However, I wasn't traveling two, three times a week. Later on, I did start traveling, but it was on my own terms. You know, everything happened on my own terms. When I wanted to go to school to to do something with my kids, I did. When I wanted to take a vacation, I did. Oftentimes I worked, you know, or would be connected. So when I sold my company, a big part of selling it was to relieve me of the burden of having to provide for other people. It was, I found it very stressful to make sure that my team was constantly, you know, we were, we had enough money for payroll and we were giving them benefits. And I just, it felt, it was really stressful to me. And I had felt that I had taken the company as far as I could take it on my own. And which is why I sold it. And so when I sold it, I was relieved of the burden of, you know, like kind of the HR and operations, which is what I wanted to give up. But I ended up, I didn't get all of the resources that I thought I was going to get. 
And I ended up continuing to run our social media, to run our content, as well as the strategy of the company in general. I was the face of the company. So I was constantly like in front of people, you know, whether it be online during the pandemic or prior, you know, in meetings, I was, you know, taken all over the country to meetings and I was unhappy. I was really unhappy. And I was, I felt just work to the bone and I didn't want to wake up in the morning anymore. And I would drag myself out of bed. And it was like a physical reaction to my job. And I knew what it was like to jump out of bed every single morning and love what you did. And I did like the first eight year, eight, nine years when I owned the company, even when I was going through the year of selling the company, which that in itself could be like a whole other podcast episode. But even that year, which was so stressful, I loved what I did. And I was so excited every single day. And when that excitement was taken away from me and I was dragging and I, my kids felt it, I could see them feel it. My husband felt it. We all felt it. And I I just, I wasn't happy. And so, you know, I was kind of stuck in this crux of like, do I leave. And if I leave, who am I going to disappoint? Like I have this whole community of millions of people who follow us. I have a team that came over to the new company with me, you know, but at the end of the day, and as, as I got further into it at the end of the day, I didn't want to disappoint myself. And I had to, I had to make myself happy first and foremost. And so that was really the catalyst and the aha of me making this change yet again. And once I did, it's funny, I was telling this story yesterday, actually, on the very last day that, and I think this speaks volumes to what you're asking me to, on the very last day of my official employment, I actually, the company became my first company. I consulted for them for eight weeks after um, my official last day. But on my official last day at the company who bought my company, I was doing a wrap-up call with one of my counterparts. And all of a sudden, I like, I like blacked out. Like I, I I had like a physical reaction. Like it was four o'clock in the afternoon. My email had actually been shut off. She was calling me to get like one last password for something. And I said to her, I have to call you back. I think I'm going to faint. And I didn't faint, but I like blacked out. And I think the adrenaline just like hit me. And I was so relieved that I had this like insane physical reaction. And you know, I woke up the next morning and it was the biggest sense of relief I've ever felt. So I hope that answers your question. I know it was kind of a long answer, but I think that unhappiness manifests in physical ways. And when you do not want to get out of bed anymore in the morning to go to your job, you need to make a change and and you should not be afraid to make that change. And what's scary is I think a lot of people don't know if it's the job. So they might not want to get out of bed. They may feel this like mantle of depression or weight. And and maybe they're questioning, is it my job or is it just something wrong with me? You know, because you had the benefit of having had a job you loved before this one. So you're like, oh no, this is clearly the job. <laughs> like this, you know, I know what's wrong here and I know how I can get out. But mental health and and emotional state of being, it's such a slippery thing, right? Because it's hard, even professionals, even psychotherapists and psychologists and psychiatrists, I think have trouble nailing down somebody's sort of mental and emotional ailment, right? Yes. Yes. I I would say so too. I mean, I think I was in such a bad place. I, you know, it was funny. It was the height of the pandemic and you couldn't get a therapist to save your life. You know what I mean? I mean, really and truly like therapists had like these long, long, long lists. And I had said to my husband, I think I need to talk to someone because I need to figure out 
what it is that I am like upset about and what it is I want to do. And I was also having this whole process of like, is someone going to hire me? Are people going to want me after this? You know, this whole like imposter syndrome comes along with this as well. No matter how successful you are, you know, you're always doubting yourself. And I actually, I couldn't get a therapist to save my life because there were, they were like months long lists of like, they were waitlist. But to your point, you know, I did know that it was the job and I, the sense of relief that I felt when I left spoke volumes and I was now able to do what it is that I wanted to do. And I did start getting clients and, you know, it took me leaving to free up the time because at one point my husband and I were like, why don't you start your own, you know, why don't I start my own business basically while I'm still like riding out the old company, but I didn't have time to do it. Like I I just, I physically didn't have the time because I was working so much. So I think too, you need to really like lay it all out and take a good look at what it is that's making you unhappy, that isn't motivating you anymore. And and why are you dragging in the morning? And I can tell you right now, I was dragging in the morning because I didn't want to turn on my computer. I didn't want to open the email to the bullshit that was facing me. And that was my indication that something had to change. And I mean, this was an eight month long process of me figuring out when, how, why I wanted to leave. What was I going to do? I mean, this wasn't like an overnight thing by any means. So what are some ways that you maintain your sanity now? Because, you know, no matter what we do, I think when you're good at your job, there's just demands on your time. People want more of you. There's always more people to serve. If you do coaching, there's always people that want your coaching services and you might feel, well, I'm already committed or booked up, but let me just squeeze you in because, you know, I really want to help you. But how do you maintain yourself so that you don't ever slip back into that? Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing is, is I, I've learned to say no. And that was something that I learned even when I was at my first company. I mean, when I first started that company, my people wanted to talk to me all the time. They like, I started like a, it was a very unique company. And so people always were interested in what I was doing and how and why. And I was making money from it. And I learned a few years in that I had to, I had to say no to things and I'm not afraid to say no. So now that is something that I apply to my job today. I block out time on my schedule. I mean, that is something that I, I really live and die by my electronic calendar. And I know a lot of us do these days, but I, for example, picking up my kids and dropping them off at school are non-negotiables. It it really takes something unique and special for me to cancel those times. They're blocked off in my schedule. I also block off times to work out and I block my time as well. Like this is what I'm going to work on and this is what I'm going to do. I also have at the moment instituted that I'm only taking four clients maximum at once because I'm working on building my own brand. I have my own podcast. There are other things that I want to be doing with my time. So that at the moment is my max and I am holding true to it. And if people want to work with me, then I I have a wait list. And that's, that's what it is. Like at the moment I have my four clients. I actually have a slot opening up in May. And once I fill that slot, I will go back on a wait list. Like, and I work with clients on a, I would say three to six month basis for the most part. So there is kind of like this spot that opens up almost every month or every two months. And I'm okay with that. You know what I mean? You have to be okay with it. Like I, I, I don't want to be working around the clock. I am working a lot right now. I love what I'm doing. I find it really hard to like shut it down because I love what I'm doing so much, but I also love being with my kids. And that's why I did this. 
Well, everyone here who's a lifestyle solopreneur and likes this podcast is obviously a podcast listener. Tell us a little bit about your podcast. Yeah. So I started my podcast, Dear Found Her, really as a way to share the stories of other female founders. I've interviewed one male. The episode hasn't aired yet, but um, it was my work husband who does, uh, who has a job that supports women. So, um, and, and an amazing story, but mostly females. And really my goal is to share the stories of those amazing women who are surrounding me and who I have grown up as an entrepreneur with so that we can help others not make the mistakes that we made and learn from what we've done and share the advice that I wish I had when I was starting. Ironically, I, I, I for a long time in my past company, people had said, you should start a parenting podcast because that's the space I was in. And I didn't want to do it because I knew that I wanted to start a podcast to support female founders one day. And it is quite possibly, as you know, one of the most rewarding experiences that I have ever embarked on. The people I get to meet, the people I get to talk to, the stories I get to share are just incredible. Well, how do people connect with you to learn more? Either to listen to your podcast or to get involved in maybe becoming part of your wait list for your coaching. Uh, what's the best way to reach out to you? Yeah, the best way to reach out to me is on Instagram. It's at Lindsay Pinchuk. And I share so much advice for business owners there and um, content and marketing and my own stories and the stories of others. So you can absolutely follow me there. All the links are in the link in my bio as to where to find me. You can also connect with me at lindsaypinchuk.com. And my podcast is Dear Found Her. It's on all the platforms, wherever you listen to podcasts. And it also has its own Instagram as well. So you can follow that too. If you Google me, you'll find me. <laughs> well, Lindsay, it's been such a pleasure. You're an inspiration. I love what you're doing out in the world. I feel that the world is lucky that you realized you needed a different path after selling off that the huge company and that now you get to work more one-on-one -on -one and in small group coaching and also that you've got online coaching coming up that will be more of kind of affordable, more scalable. You'll be able to help a lot of people. So I'm excited to be part of that journey as well by supporting you and um, helping get your voice out there. Thank you so much, Lindsay, for being on the show today. You're amazing. Thank you so much for having me and for those kind words. It, you have no idea how much it means. This has really been an honor to be here. And um, thank you for helping me to share my story. Guess what, lifestyle solopreneurs? If you don't yet have an online business earning you enough passive income to live the life of your dreams, I'd like to suggest you consider trying out Kajabi. Kajabi is an all-in-one solution where you can create and teach online courses, publish a paid newsletter, launch a free or paid podcast, process payments, build one-on-one -on -one coaching portals for your clients, and much, much more. I personally use Kajabi to power numerous successful and profitable online businesses. Lifestyle solopreneurs, there's a free trial of Kajabi waiting for you at this link, www.kfreetrial.com. You can try Kajabi for free, no obligation, by going to www.kfreetrial.com. Again, kfreetrial.com, and that K stands for Kajabi. Starting an online business helped me break free from that corporate grind, and I hope it does the same for you. You have nothing to lose and absolutely everything to gain. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and see you next time.